my friends. This is Jeff Cobb back with another episode of the Learning Revolution podcast. If you want to create great learning experiences, training and education products that truly have an impact and keep your customers coming back for more, then you are in the right place. This time around, I talk with Harold Stolovich, author along with Erica Keeps of Telling Ain't Training, a book that has really become something of a classic in the decades since the first edition was published. We get into some great material from the book in this interview, including why it is often so hard for experts to translate their expertise into great training, and the five-step model for overcoming that challenge and delivering truly outstanding educational experiences. This interview is so packed with great content that it runs a bit longer than usual, so I want to head right into it. Without further ado, let's switch over to my conversation with Harold Stolovich. I am joined today by Harold Stolovich, who is the co-author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Telling Ain't Training. And he's also one of the most widely recognized authorities on developing effective training and performance improvement experiences. So, um, Harold, thanks for joining today. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, I think you uh, you might remember in our initial email exchange, I'd indicated that uh, I'd actually encountered you the first time, and I can tell you exactly that it was uh, nearly 12 years ago because I attended an ASTD uh, adult learning and training pre-conference workshop that, that you were running, and at the time, I was uh, deeply immersed in the world of uh, the, the dot-com uh, era and uh, uh, e-learning startup. And um, sure. yeah, and, but I have to say, in, in spite of being in that world, I was a little wet behind the ears when it came to adult learning and training. And, and you were really kind of my, my first exposure to those principles um, and then marked the beginning of a, of a journey for me to, to learn much more about that. So, you know, I, I have to, to thank you for starting me down that road. Um, and also, you know, thank you for, for helping a lot of other people, I think, deliver better training experiences than uh, might otherwise have been the case. So, so thank you for all of that. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I, I hope it's a positive, you know, it didn't lead you down a path that maybe you oughtn't to have gone. <laughs> uh, a completely positive path for me, and, and I think it's actually well, and I think it's actually a great uh, uh, departing point for our conversation because that that workshop, that conference experience, um, did have a, a great impact on me. I felt like I, I learned a great deal, and I kept on learning after that, and I actually retained quite a bit. But I have found over the years, and, and I know I'm not alone in this, that um, that's not always the case, that you show up at workshops, you show up at seminars, a conference session, a, a webinar, or whatever it is, and it turns out to really not be such a great learning experience. And you know, I think the common uh, thinking is that you, you get people who are experts and you put them up in front of a, an audience and they should be able to convey that expertise. But that just doesn't work out a lot of the time. And, and I know that's one of the main things you talk about, in, uh, at least in the beginning, of telling ain't training. And uh, so just to start off with, I mean, what, what are the reasons for that? Why, why is it so hard for expertise to be shared effectively? Okay, well, you know, there's, there's a huge literature on the whole area of expertise. And the, the formation of expertise is something that occurs over so many years. Um, and... Uh, with a lot of deliberate practice, trial and error, and so on. We acquire our expertise not in a very systematic and orderly fashion, but kind of in a messy way. And then, all of a sudden, we're asked to share that expertise with others. Well, there are a couple of bad news things. The first is that <clears throat> the, the expert 
over time eliminates that which is non-essential to him or her in order to perform. Mm. But the novice may need it. If you invite me to your home and I, I say to you, okay, well, okay, when I get off the highway, how many uh, intersections before I turn? There's a high probability that you have no idea how many intersections. Right. Right? And, and the idea is that for the novice, they need to know that because it gives them a sense of security and they can count one, two, three, four, five, six, turn right and perform well. You, you've eliminated that. And about 70% of things that novices need um, are already no longer in the, in the expert's repertoire. They've got, kind of gone into the twilight zone. So that's one part. The other is that experts and novices do not pr- uh, process information the same way. Um, it's a very different world for each of them. So when an expert sees something, they see a whole lot of things. Um, take just simply driving. When you've driven a lot and you're becoming, quotes, an expert driver, you know to how, how to anticipate things. If you see all of a sudden a ball bounce out into the road, you can assume maybe a child will soon be there, right? And you begin to take actions and you notice a bus is coming and it's raining and, and uh, there's a person crossing the street and so on. Mm-hmm. The novice is still in that stage where each item is very salient to them and they can't put all the pieces together. Right. So that's a big piece of it. There's one other piece, and that is, um, if you know anything at all about the, you know, our brain, while it's this nice organism sitting in our head, um, we have many, you know, consists among, many, among other stuff, has many different memory systems. And our declarative memory, our talk about memory, is very different from our actual procedural memory, our ability to do things. Uh, experts, most of their expertise is in being able to perform. Mm. And then when we put them in front of a group and say, train them, they begin to talk. And in that talk, they're sharing what's called declarative information. Right. And that will not necessarily transform into procedural or do types of activities. So you've got two very different things working. And, uh, you know, I can... I can tell you how to make a chocolate cake, but there's only one way you're going to learn how to make mm. a chocolate cake, right? Kind of jump in and do it, yep. Absolutely. So the, ex- the subject matter expert figures they're supposed to talk, and that's what they do, and it's horrible. There's one other, let me just, I know this is a long answer, but that's probably the most key question you ask. Oh, yeah, this is critical stuff, yeah. Yeah, I- I'm so... I don't know, part of me is disheartened. The other part says, hey, this keeps me going and keeps me in business. <laughs> if, you know, when I go into organizations, and I'm talking about premier organizations, Fortune 500 companies, the military, and so on, <clears throat> government, and what I see is the they take subject matter experts and they say, you know, you know this stuff, now go train others. Mm-hmm. And you see how poorly they're doing. But when you take those people whom they've asked to be trainers and you say to them, hey, tell me what helps you learn best. They'll say, oh, well, you know, when I can dialogue with the person, when I got my hands in, and they'll tell you as a learner what works with them. But when you 
touch them with your wand and say, you're now a trainer, they seem to forget all of it. Right. So the key for subject matter experts is be a learner when you're training. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I know that a huge amount of, of what you do is to help people actually become more effective in this. And, uh, you, and you say in, in Taliate Training that uh, kind of the heart and soul of the book is, is what you describe as your, your five-step model for how a subject matter expert, how a trainer, how an instructor uh, can you know, put together the parts in a way that's probably going to make them significantly more effective when, the, when they're actually standing in front of that, that classroom or sitting on the other end of that webinar or whatever it is. Now, I know that you give entire workshops on this that can you know, take up a day or two. Uh, so you know, we're going to try in a very rapid-fire way to, to, to walk through this model, if you're willing, um, and just hit on each of those five steps, which I know are rationale, objectives, activities, evaluation, and feedback. Can we start with, with rationale, and, and, and why is rationale so important uh, if you're you know, trying to be an, an effective instructor? Is it just you know, that adults simply need to know why they, they, they need to learn something? Okay, well, it's based upon, you know, look, um, essentially, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a university professor and a researcher as well as a consultant and a speaker and a writer. Um, and when I'm doing the writing and the speaking and so on, I'm synthesizing and, um, mm, you know, some people say simplifying. I'm not mm. simplifying, but I'm, I'm taking what research has found and what science has discovered and trying to transform it into something that people can use. Well, one of the things that has stood the test of time is that, particularly for adults who have so many priorities in their lives, if you start by, by you know, just like a salesperson hooking them, mm -hmm. letting them know that they're both about to engage in something that will give them a benefit to them and to the work they do, and show them the with them, you know, the what's in it for me. Right. The probabilities of their paying attention and opening themselves to learning increases enormously. So if I say to you something like, uh, hey, I've got some numbers for you to learn, you'll turn off. But if I say, uh, to get out of this room, um, we're now locked in here, you're going to need these numbers to be able to punch them in and get out the door, uh, you're going to have more reason to pay attention to those numbers. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a reason for it. So that's the rationale. And we should begin every time we bring in a new thing for persons to learn is to start with, have you ever experienced this? And what are the difficulties that you faced? Mm -hmm. Or if we take a look at these numbers and they've been awful, wouldn't it be great if we could transform them? And by the way, there are some simple things we can do. Will you listen? Hey, that would get me. Okay, sure. So that's what the rationale is about. Helping them to see what the benefits are to the problems that they face. And so then you move from there, and, and I think this is uh, just kind of more support for the rationale, to making sure you have clear objectives. And, and I can say this, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine because I show up at, at conferences and other events all the time where you know, I, I, they, they, they make you write learning objectives for those sessions, but I, I think a lot of the people who write the objectives don't really understand the idea that an objective needs yeah. to be something that's verifiable in the end, and they're usually kind of fuzzy and not verifiable. That's the, you've hit it right on the head. You know, what happened is the idea of the objectives is great, 
and then when it's people, you know, kind of institutionalize them, they turn them mm-hmm. into legal documents, and nobody's listening anymore. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes they sound trivial, or they're complex, or they're convoluted. Essentially, when I say, from the rationale, slide into the objective, it's real simple. Um, let's say we go back to that chocolate cake analogy, right? you know, and we say you love chocolate cake, and, you know, your mother lives very far away, and we got the recipe for it, and it's not a hard thing to do, and wouldn't it be great if any time you wanted to get that delicious chocolate cake that your mom made, right. you know, uh, you'll be able to do it. And you go, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of good. So the next step is then to say, good, because at the end of this session, at the end of working together, you're going to be able to make a chocolate, a, a chocolate cake that's based on your mom's recipe and that's going to have the same look, feel, and taste mm. as mama's chocolate pie. We've just stated the objective. Right, right. In the workplace, you know, by the end of this, you're going to be able to overcome the most common, the, the three most common objections people have to purchasing our insurance. And, and obviously, that's the kind of stuff that, that you can verify. You can, you can make people do something. Absolutely. Uh, it has to be verifiable. Right. It has to be something, you know, I mean, people use all kinds of terms with it. Basically, you have to be able to, de- the learner has to be able to demonstrate mm-hmm. that they have performed what you said. And when you say things like understand and know and appreciate, they're too vague. You want to keep it as overt as possible. Right. You know, given, hey, you're having trouble with this math type stuff, I've got some techniques and tricks that, boy, will get you to overcome the math problems. And at the end of this, you're going to be able to take any, um, you know, two-digit number and multiply it by any other two-digit number, and you're always going to get the right answer. Mm-hmm. Never get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's the objective. Okay. So then you've got... Step one, rationale. Step two, uh, clear objectives. And then your, your step three in the model is activities. And I feel like this is one of those areas, too, that particularly lately, everything has to be about active adult learning. Everybody has to be active. So, you know, I go into these sessions where they'll say, you know, okay, I've presented you with this material. Now talk among yourselves. And that tends to be the, the no, quote, that's activity. Bo- <laughs> that's baloney. Right. You know, uh, the activities are the means by which the objective is attained. If you're going to be able to produce that, that excellent chocolate cake, mm-hmm. then guess what the activities are going to be. That well, sounds like there's going to be a mixing bowl involved probably. <laughs> Absolutely. And in a systematic way, we're going to go through them and we're going to stop and we're going to re- recapitulate. Maybe I'll have you do it again just mm-hmm. to show and see if you, you really got it, you know. Um, and so, basically, the activities are those logical things that will take us to the objective. And there are many ways to attain an objective, just like many ways to skin a cat type of thing. And not, one is not necessarily better than another. And I wouldn't worry about learning styles or anything else. It's just stuff that you can do that will help people attain the goal. So if, for example, we're, in a, we're, we're training people on how to uh, qualify a customer, for example, mm-hmm. right, then 
we can think of different ways that we can do that. And the activities might be that, you know, you give scenarios and initially they're able to discriminate between those that are, are, um, are qualifiable and those that aren't. Um, you could do it through role play and have people try out different words and terms and so on. You could have them take a list of questions and try them out with sample customers. So there are a number of different ways you could do it. But the whole idea is at the end, they can demonstrate that given an array of customers or given customer profiles or given meetings with customers, that they're able to discriminate between those that are qualifiable and those that aren't. Right, right. That's what the activities are about. And, and fun and games can be okay or they can be distracting. Right. So you want to be real careful. You know, far more important and far more satisfying for learners is being, feeling a sense of competent, competence and confidence that they can perform once they leave you. And and I know uh, you know just to refer folks back to the, the the book again that you you offer what you call your cornucopia of training activities in the book, which I think is extremely valuable. You know, particularly if you're somebody who's really just you know been more of a speaker, the, that declarative knowledge, and you need some things to engage people more. A lot of good I- ideas there, so I highly recommend that that folks take a look at that. Um, so you've got rationale, you've got objectives, you've got some good activities to support achieving those objectives and, and the overall rationale. And then the fourth step that you talk about is evaluation. And, um, you know, at least in the world that I come from, which tends to be uh, trade and professional associations, evaluation means that when people are walking out the door at the end of the session, they're supposed to check off some boxes on a sheet and uh, right. say if they enjoyed the session or not. Um, how, how do you think about evaluation? And, and, uh, and, and probably this goes right into your fifth point as well, which is feedback. So maybe we can That's you know, right. kind of talk of about them together. They're, they're attached. Yeah. You know, in, in my terminology, to evaluate, you know, you're really, in this case, you're looking to see whether or not whatever the objective was and whatever the activities were, so now when I stand aside, can they do it? Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it? That's why we're there. Absolutely. And they have to show it. So you want to create some opportunity for them to demonstrate their competence. One of the things, you know, people hate to be tested or hate Mm -hmm. to be evaluated, but they don't hate it if they know they're going to succeed. True enough. It's just an interesting thing. So you want to create your whole learning and your whole learning session, your whole everything that you're doing with your participants is to lead them towards success. And then you say, okay, so let's try it out. Let's practice. Here's an exercise or here's a challenge for you. Let's see how you do. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, this is the means, the moment in which you stand aside and they perform. Now, the whole idea is if you've trained them well, then they have success and you give them feedback. You say, wow, ain't you grand? Well, actually, you shouldn't say that. It's <laughs> that you got success. Let's not focus on the person, but rather on the success of the person. Right. You are able to make that chocolate pie. and It's a delicious chocolate pie. And we can't discriminate between mama's pie, you know, our cake and, and your cake. Right? Right, right. They're, they're identical. Well done. Um, the, the, but maybe 
there's something off. And that occurs particularly when people are putting stuff together or in the initial stages of learning where they aren't too certain. Mm -hmm. And so I never allow people to use positive and negative feedback. First of all, because it's inaccurate. The feedback came out of the cybernetic world anyway. Um, And positive and negative feedback have totally different meanings. What we want to do is provide corrective feedback that helps people get on track Mm -hmm. and use them themselves. You're working here in uh, in my restaurant and you have to be able to slice a bagel into two equal halves so that both are identical in terms of their size and their thickness. Um, the surfaces are smooth and you didn't injure yourself, mm-hmm. okay? So you slice the bagel. Let's say you slice it a little lopsidedly or unevenly or a little roughly. Then I can say to you, let's take a look at that bagel now. Okay, are the two halves equal? And you go, well, no, one's thicker than the other. Okay, so what do you think happened there? I guess I didn't put the knife in the middle. I forgot that rule of thumb where you put your thumb beside the bagel to find out where the middle is, take it away and slice there. <laughs> okay, great. Right. So why don't we try that again and see if we can do it? Okay, but getting the learner as much as possible to help in determining the feedback. Right. And then the idea is let them know enough, get them involved so that they can, you know, they can... Um, improve their performance, and then get them so that they can succeed. And you can say, "That's you got it right." Right, right. Now, are there are there any good strategies um, or, or preferable strategies from your standpoint? If you're in a situation, say, I mean, this can happen in, in a conference setting, but I'm also thinking of like if you're delivering a webinar, you know, and, and you don't necessarily see the people out there, it's a little harder to do the evaluation and, and feedback piece. I mean, are there? Are there strategies you can recommend in, in those instances that can help Absolutely. with that? Absolutely. I mean, I use all kinds of things, you know, and I, I sometimes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm demonstrating it at sessions where I have a thousand and more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, and let's say, let me, let me give you a concrete example. So I'm working with a high-tech company, okay, and they're bringing out a new line of products that, um, you know, should appeal to certain types of customers. And they have, you know, their features and benefits and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the idea was, hey, let's get these people to see what the features and the benefits are, you know, and they did the regular type of thing and who's our target market and, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. What our market research tells us instead, you know, I'll say to the audience, okay, find yourself a partner. You know, and if you can't do two, do three. Mm-hmm. But don't do more than three. So it's either two or three. Don't stand alone, please. You're, you really need another person, okay? And you'll notice that in your handouts that you have, on one side, you have um, the, you know, the four new products with some, you know, key information about them. All right? And on the right-hand side, you have four profiles of of customers. They're brief. All I want you to do in your little team is to decide which of these products you would be offering to each of these people. Mm -hmm. Okay, are we, and, and of course the purpose of this is for them to be able to match product with customer profile. 
And so they do it. And now we can debrief. Well, so how many of you for customer one, what did you choose? Let's see. How many chose product one? Product two, product three, product four. Oh, my God. Almost everybody chose product four. I don't have anything to tell you then. Mm. Now, let's take a look at why you chose it. And let's see why that was a really good choice. You get the idea? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And is so, it more dynamic? You know, is it oh, absolutely. more satisfying? It's certainly both more dynamic and more satisfying than uh, much of what I've experienced out there. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you, you sum all of this up, uh, it seems to me, in, in your kind of teach, prompt, release uh, rubric. And, and you contrast that to, I think, what so many of us have heard before, which is, Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. <laughs> yeah. That's the, you know, the military model, right? right tell right. them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and tell them what you told them, and that, that sort of thing. And, I mean, it, that's a little bit like, you know, your mama told you not to play in the street or right. play with Joey or whatever it was, you know. And then when she sees you playing with Joey, she said, I'm, I'm telling you don't play with Joey. And then they found, she finds out you played with Joey. I told you not to play with Joey. You know, it works just as well. Uh-huh. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and, and rather than that, why not let them know what's in it for them? Mm-hmm. You know, let them know what they're going to be able to do. It's a kind of a contract. Hey guys, you play along with me. You're going to walk out with something you couldn't do before you got here. Mm-hmm. And then engage them and forget the word activity or active learning or all that kind of crap. Focus on mental engagement. Mm. The more we are mentally engaged, the more we are going to learn, retain, and have the ability to actually execute. Mm -hmm. So engagement is what we need. And lots of practice with feedback. Nothing is a substitute for practice with feedback. And then um, that will be a much better model than tell them, tell them, and tell them. Well, a- amen to that. Um, well, to, to wrap up our, our conversation for today, and that's been fantastic to go through the, the five steps, the rationale, objectives, activities, evaluation, and feedback. That's a you know mini workshop and a podcast here for the folks who are listening. So you know, excellent to, to get that feedback uh, straight from the experts. Um, just to wrap up, though, I mean, when you look out at the world of, uh, you know, maybe uh, as narrowly defined as training or it may just be, you know, as broadly defined as what's happening with learning right now out there, uh, given this world we now live in, what, what has you most excited? Uh, neuroscience. Neuroscience. Neurosciences. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, so much of what goes on focuses on the stimulus. In mm. other words... You know, you're going to use a technology to to help people learn. You're going to uh, be able to flash things all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we're going to have an LMS, you know, and all of these wonderful things that do in many ways or have the potential to help. But by themselves, they're inert. You right. know, they, they don't have any, any learning virtues in them. But where the where the rubber hits the road is what goes on in the mind of each individual learner. And as we gather more and more information about how our brains work, what helps us to make connections, what helps us to retain, how um, 
what goes on in our minds interferes with our retention, how different neurotransmitters can actually block us from logical thinking. Um, we're learning more about our emotional selves and the role uh, emotion plays in in hardwiring certain types of learning. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are exciting. Um, we are our job when we're helping people learn is to be a mirror to what goes on in the mind of a learner. Mm. We have to put ourselves in the learner's shoes. We're still primitive in it. It's amazing after all these these uh, numerous years that we've been around doing this stuff. So to me, the learning of what goes on in the mind should help us far more in helping people learn than in learning a new technology. But I agree I'm not negating the technologies and their assistance, but I am finding them very distracting most of the mm-hmm. time and poorly done most of the time. You know, I'll go through, I'll go through 1,500 so-called e-learnings, and, you know, I want to I wanna cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I sympathize with you there, and I, I'm very excited as well about everything we're finding out about the, the human mind these days. Well, Harold, thanks so much for, for taking the time to talk to the Learning Revolution today. Where can folks find you? Um, well, they can come to our website, which is uh, very simple. It's H, S is in Sam, A, H, S, A, dash, you know, hyphen, L, P is in Paul, S is in Sam, LPS.com, HSA-LPS.com. If they go on that, um, they'll find all kinds of stuff about us, but, you know, better than looking, you know, to see commercially what we do is we have lots of resources that they can go into and pull out. Everything is free on there. We, we sell nothing except, you know, our services. Even our books we don't sell. ASTD sells those. All right. Or well, Amazon. Or Amazon, yeah. yes, yes. And you can definitely find uh, Telling Ain't Training in both places. Well, Harold, thanks so much. You're welcome, Jeff. Good luck to everybody. That wraps up my conversation with Harold Stolovich. I do encourage you to visit him on the web. Also, even though we focused on Harold's book, Telling Ain't Training, in this episode, I highly recommend all of his books. You can find links to them in the show notes for this episode at learningrevolution.net slash episode 11. As always, I appreciate you joining me here for the Learning Revolution podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the good word by going to learningrevolution.net slash share, and that will set you up with a tweet that you can send right out to your network. Or, of course, you can post about the podcast on any other social network of your choice. That's it for this show. This is Jeff Cobb signing off from the revolution. Yeah.